Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. As we head into the fall, we are beginning a brand new series entitled, Are You Connected? As we go through this series, you can connect with us in the usual social media places, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on the Christ Church app, as well as on our website and the Christ Church app, which is available for Android and iOS devices. To get us started in our new series, we are led by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. You know, let's uh, let's go to the Lord and, uh, to the Lord in prayer here. We we are going to be going through uh, a really unique sermon series over the next five weeks. That uh, we're going to be taking a look uh, at ourselves. We're going to be taking a look inward uh, for the sake of being more effective outward. And so, as we pray this morning, um, I want you to pray this prayer: Lord, please convict my heart. Okay. You don't have to say it to me, you don't tell it to him, all right? So in a moment when we pray, that's what I want you to pray. Lord, convict my heart. So Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for the way that you have blessed us. We thank you for the way that you have worked in our lives and the way that you have brought us to a place, God, where we are at home in your arms, where we are at home with you. And so Lord, as we turn to now talking about what does it really look like for us to be connected, God. I pray that you would help each of us to take a very honest look at who we are and are we merely consuming the words and the wisdom and the goodness that you have for us or are we being obedient with what we're called to? And so Lord, as we ultimately look at what the Great Commission tells us, challenge us, convict us, use us, and guide us. And so we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for this new series and for all that you're doing in the city of Pittsburgh and in our nation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, some time ago, uh, my cousin and I were having a conversation, and he had shared with me um, that right after his father had died, he was going through a very rough patch in his life. He, one Sunday morning, woke up still wearing his Saturday best and decided that because of where he was at in his youth, that he was in a place of depression, he was in a a place of brokenness in this moment in his life, and he picked himself out of the drunken stupor that he was in, and he threw himself into his car, and he drove to a local church. Now, when he got to the church, he had tears streaming down his face. He had crusties in his eyes. He didn't even brush his teeth. But he was so brokenhearted and so in need of just a glimpse of the goodness of God that none of that mattered to him. And as he opened the door to the church that he went to, he was met with scowls and negative looks and comments of how dare you walk into this place looking like that. Here was a young man on the verge of life, searching for a loving family to come around him when his had gone. And the question I have for us this morning is, are we a church where we can welcome the broken needy, where we can welcome people who don't look or smell like us? Are we a church that welcomes people like that? Or are we a church that becomes offended because of our tradition? Are we so caught up with what goes on inside the walls of the church that we forget the fact that this place was created not for what happens on Sunday morning in here, but for what we're going to do during the week out there? 
That's what the church is. Please, someone say amen to that. Participation sport this morning. Let me know you're here. We are called as a church specifically for a reason. We don't just show up on Sunday so that we can have some amazing worship. And holy goodness, that was fantastic this morning, right? Praise the Lord. I leaned over to Pastor John and Jared and I said, this is our church. (laughs) Praise God. But we don't do this because we want it to stay here. You know, in every sermon series that we give, every Bible study that we have loaded up for the fall, every program, every retreat, did you know that they're done on purpose? Did you know that they're done with a plan in mind? Because you see, as pastors and stewards of this church, we believe that we're called by God to not do all the ministry, but to equip you to go and to do the ministry. And so when we think about where are we taking people with these sermon series, so on and so forth, there's actually a plan. Did you know that? And, and so what we want to do as we talk about what does it look like in this next series for us to be connected, we actually want to let you in on the secret and let you in on this plan. In fact, the guys in the back are going to bring up a little picture of our church for me uh, that we're going to take a look at for the next few moments. There it is. And so if you look at that, there's really five key steps that we, when we look at the growth of a, of a believer as they come through the doors of Christ church that we want to see people come in through. The first one that we look at is the word visitor. When we look at people, this is somebody who has is, who is showed up at the church, who is maybe like my cousin, they're broken hearted and they just need to reach out and touch Jesus. So we look at that person and we say, that's somebody who's looking to connect to a church family. And so that first step of that that Christian life and witness strategy or that reaching our world for Christ strategy is to see the visitors and to connect the visitors. You know, when you come in every Sunday, we've got this service sheet that you're handed. And if you open to the very front of that service sheet, it says Christ Church at Grove Farm. It's beautifully done. And directly underneath it, it tells you a little bit about us. But then there's two things that we need to look at every Sunday. The first is it says our vision. It's real simple. It's to call our world to Christ. And the second thing is our mission. As a caring Christian community, our mission is to make disciples who share Christ with their world. Little side note. If you're ever looking for a church, maybe you're a visitor this morning and you go to a church and that's not there's something like that's not their mission or vision, it's not a church, it's something else. The funny thing, I joked with Pastor Jared this week, I said, you know, it's interesting because when you look at vision and mission statements of churches, they're literally all the same, we just all compete to see who can word it better. <laughs> it's the Great Commission. We're commanded a couple of things from God. We're commanded to love him and to love others. And the great commission that Jesus leaves us with says that we're to go and make disciples, not sit in our nice fancy pews and hope disciples come to us. We're to love God, love others, and go and do it. Amen? There it is. You're here. Fantastic. It's what we're about. And so when we look at these steps on this, we we have to think about the visitor. Are we as a church receiving of a visitor, or could it be said of us that when a young broken man comes through our doors, he's received with scowls and angry looks, or is he received with the love of Christ? The next phase that we want to see people go to is membership. We want you to be a member of the church. 
Not because we want to have you give money. That's part of it, praise the Lord. Okay, it's a way we worship. But we want you to engage in the church because we know that God did not design us to be isolated. God designed us for community, and each of us is given a specific part of the body. And as we move from being visitors, we become members. We start to make more commitments to the church. Part of that's financial. Part of that's in the time we spend. Maybe we're playing around with the idea of uh, joining a Bible study, but we're moving from visitors to members. And then ultimately we want you to mature in your faith, that third step. So we want to begin to round those little bases there or begin to move you around the circle into maturity. And what does a mature believer look like? Well, it's somebody who is connected to a Bible study. A mature believer is somebody who is beginning to develop their prayer life. A mature man is a man who in his home will lead his family in the pages of Scripture. A mature woman is a woman who will love and lift up her family and be a representation of Christ by the way she loves them. So as we move from visitor to member to maturity, we recognize that God calls all of us to ministry. I say it, and I love saying it, you do not have to pray about doing ministry, okay? You know why? Because you're supposed to. It's a fact. You don't have to pray about it, but what you do need to pray about is what ministry God wants you to do. So as you move from a visitor, we connect you through membership, we bring you into maturity, all because of what God has done, and then we want to engage you in a ministry in the gift set that God has given to you. Maybe you are very blessed at acting or puppets or, or maybe it's sports or maybe it's marksmanship or maybe it's equestrian stuff. I don't know what God has for you, but I do know this, that God has a ministry for everybody. I told you about my brother's LARPing ministry. They dress up as medieval warriors and they go out and they beat each other. But people are coming to know Christ because he took his uniqueness and made it a ministry. God is calling you to a ministry for the fifth and final or the first purpose. See, we do all of this not because we want to say, hey, look how great we are, but we do this because when you look at that word mission, mission is the community. It's the people outside of the walls of this church. The reason we want to bring you from being a visitor all the way to a person in ministry is because there is a world full of people. There are empty seats in this service this morning that need to be filled with people who are on their knees trying to pull themselves up and they don't know why they're so broken. We are the people of God. We have the solution to every problem on the planet. And we are not called to sit in here and merely talk about it. But we are called to go and to make disciples in all nations. We are called to take the inspiration we receive here and pour out that blessing onto others. See how this works is, is you start as a visitor, you end up as a minister. And when you end up as a minister, we send you right back out there to bring someone else in as a visitor so that they'll then end up back out there as a minister. It's a cycle. It's beautiful. It's great, right? That's how it's supposed to work. When we're truly mature in our ministry, we should be in two phases of this cycle at all times. We should be connected through ministry or being one of the core And then we should be in the mission field or walking someone through one of these other areas of connectivity. Is this making sense, church? It's almost like we have a plan, huh? You know, we see on this first one, when it talks about the visitor, a beautiful passage of scripture this morning. 
You know, over the next five weeks, we're going to hit each of these key areas. And I want to challenge you, pay attention, because you have a responsibility to do something with what God has blessed you with. And this morning, we want to take a look at how do we as a church receive visitors? And maybe you are a visitor this morning. I want to say this to you. Thank you for showing up this morning. I hope the message blesses you here in a moment. But God sees you. We see you. And we're so blessed that you're here. You know, I want to share this story with you quickly. Is it looks like for some, what it looks like for someone to go through this full circle. You know, we had a, a couple, and I'm going to say their names because I'm going to tell on them, but their names are Doug and Dorinda Taylor. Doug showed up several years ago as a visitor and began to, to really get connected to the church. And meanwhile, there was something taking place within our family ministry that Doug was very unaware of. We received a phone call here at the church from a woman who said, um, can I come to church? And our children's ministry department came to me and said, we got this phone call and it seemed a little bit weird. And I said, well, why, did, why would she think she's not allowed at our church? And we reached back to this woman to discover that she has a son who's autistic. And she had been told by other churches that the problem of her son was too severe and they could not accept her in their church. That seems off, Right? And I was so proud of our children's ministry team at the time. I I said, well, we're not telling her no. And they said, no, we're not. And so we began to pray about what would it look like for us as Christ Church then to have a special ministry for families with special needs. Meanwhile, back in the Taylor household, Doug and his wife Dorinda had been praying, God, what would you like us to do? There's, there's this thing on our heart and we would really like to, to minister in this way, but there's no ministry started and you're gonna guess what's gonna happen next, that Doug and Dorinda had it on their heart to do a special needs ministry. And so about a year ago, Doug and Dorinda came to me not knowing that on our hearts was the same exact thing. And I'm pleased to announce that on September 17th, the Helping Hearts Special Needs Ministry of Christ Church at Grove Farm is going to launch because we're not telling people no. (laughs) Doug and Dorinda Taylor moved from visitors to ministers and now they're in the mission field and we're going to do that whole thing again. And we're going to have a beautiful service at 1115 uh, that, that, is, that is, uh, works for special needs families, not just for the children, but, but for their parents as well. From ages 5 to 11, we're designed a special space with special lighting, special chairs, incredible curriculums. And we're not just babysitting these children. We're going to teach them the gospel message in a language that they can understand because the gospel message is important for everybody. Amen? And so I want to encourage you as that ministry grows, pray for that, support that ministry. If you've been to the 1115 service uh, over in Wilson Hall the last few weeks, you've noticed that we've had people doing sign language for the services because there's a group of people that have come to us and said, we want to hear the gospel message. We just communicate differently than you. And again, that helping hearts, Doug and Dorinda Taylor said, we're not telling anybody no. And we have a sign language team. God's doing some really cool things and he wants to use you in these adventures. Are you moving from being a visitor church? Are you moving from being a member all the way up to being a minister through your ministry? God is really blessing us. And this morning in this passage of scripture, we see an incredible example of what it looks like for somebody who's not supposed to be there to show up at church. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 8 with me now, and we're going to be talking about the story of Jairus' daughter, and and we're going to be talking about the, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. And just to give you a little background of understanding, Jairus was in Capernaum and he was the, the uh, kind of the keeper of the synagogue there. And, and his job would have been to enforce all the ceremonial laws, the cleanliness laws and things like that. And so for there to be a woman in his community who is bleeding for 12 years, going through her woman things through for 12 solid years nonstop, she was viewed by the ceremonial laws as somebody who was unclean and not welcomed in the synagogue. It's the way it was. And so when Jairus comes to Jesus in this moment, this woman is not somebody new to him. It says that when Jesus came back to town, he, there was a crowd there because you see right before that, Jesus was running around the countryside taking demons and then putting them into pigs and he was taking the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee telling them to relax, that God is in control and Jesus has been busy doing some pretty amazing things. And now he's come back to Capernaum, which isn't a very big place. And I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd where you've actually been getting crushed before, but the word of God tells us in this moment that when Jesus showed up in town, so many people gathered around him that he himself was almost crushed. And he's being surrounded by all the clean people, the people of the synagogue. And word has come out that Jairus' 12-year-old daughter has fallen ill and she's going to die. And so he goes to Jesus and says, you've got to come to my home. And while Jesus is on his way to do something else, something takes place that's absolutely amazing. There's this woman, you see, she's not supposed to be there. As we said before, she's unclean. She should not be around the general population. She's not welcomed. And what happens is, is this, this, this smelly woman who's unclean shows up and she works herself into the crowd and now Jesus, who's going to do something for somebody who's always been there for, for the God, this woman reaches out in faith and touches Jesus and something amazing happens. The word of God tells us here that Jesus is walking and he's heading to Jairus' house and he looks up with a serious look on his face. And I want to make sure we're very clear. In this moment, this is not a rebuke from our Lord. I, in fact, I bet Jesus had a look of him like, hey, pretty cool, who touched me? In this moment, Jesus says, somebody touched me. I know that the power has gone out for me. Now, can you imagine what it must have been like for this woman? mocked and made fun of in her community as somebody who is unwelcomed and unclean. In this moment, in this crowd full of people, the whole town is there. She's got the church leaders right in front of her trying to guide Jesus and he stops and says, who touched me? And here's this broken woman. She stands before the crowd and she raises her hand and says, it was me. Think about the courage it took. Think about the faith that it took her in that moment, in her disgrace, to say, it's me. Maybe when you walked through the doors of the church, you felt shame, you felt disgrace because of your sin or because of some circumstance in your life and all you wanted to do was reach out and touch the hem of Jesus and when you did that, your faith has made you well. 
Jesus look at, looks at this woman and he says, your faith has made you well. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, I'm too busy. I got something else to do. They're waiting on me for this healing service. He stops everything in the moment. He's present and he does ministry when ministry shows up. Now, Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place. But on his penciled agenda, it was Jairus' daughter, not this woman. And so the question I have for us as a church is, are we a church that with the busyness of everything that we have going on, with the directions that we want to head in, are we secure enough in our faith to be able to stop and care for those who don't look or smell or sound like us? Do we as a congregation care enough to not maybe make it to the cafe right away to spend two minutes with someone we've never seen who has tears streaming down their face? Do we care enough to not offer scowls to somebody who comes in not looking like us? Because we're called as a church to take the visitors and to connect them. And in that moment, Jesus demonstrated something beautiful when he stopped for the one person who shouldn't have been there. You hear how I'm saying that, right? And so there's this beautiful moment afterwards because here you have Jairus. He, he works in the synagogue. He's a, he's a minister, basically. He's, he's caring for the people. And in that moment, see, his reaction to this could have been, hey, God, you know what? You know that whole my daughter's dying thing? Can we keep moving, please? In that moment, Jairus could have been annoyed with the woman. He could have been frustrated with the woman. And there's not a single one of us in this room that would go, well, I don't understand. He's, not, he's being unreasonable. His daughter's dying. Not a single one of us in here would fault him if he flipped his lid a little bit in that moment. But see, Jairus then offers us a great example as well because it continues on. We did not read this this morning, but we're going to read it now. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And in this moment, Jairus could have flipped his lid, but he doesn't. He remains faithful to the one he was going to in the first place. Do we recognize that even when the church gets dirty, that even when things don't go the way we want them to, that God is still sovereign and he might just have a plan in place? In this moment, Jairus could have lost his cool, but instead Jairus is a great example for you and me. He could have said, Lord, I've been your faithful servant for years. You've let my daughter die. But he doesn't do that. He steps back and he looks to Jesus and Jesus says these words to him upon hearing that statement. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe and she's gonna be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James and the child's father and mother. All the people were wailing outside and raising a ruckus and Jesus in a whimsical moment says, stop crying. She's not dead. She's just asleep. They laughed at him saying, you you know she's dead. But he took her by the hand. And I believe it was just this tender moment and he said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. And Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were astonished. 
but he ordered them not to tell anyone. They didn't do a very good job about it because here a couple thousand years later, we're still talking about it. But in that moment, that widow had the courage and the faith to go somewhere that was maybe not popular for her to be. In that moment, Jairus knew her story. He could have shooed her away, but he didn't. Jesus could have shooed her away, but he didn't. He said, welcome, and I'm glad that you're here. Your faith has made you well. She had a faith of bravery. Do we have a faith that's brave? Then in the same way, we look at Jairus and we see a a faithful servant of God who could have got upset and been out of shape because something didn't go his way. But instead, Jairus demonstrates a faith to us that is a committed faith. Understanding that God has a bigger plan than our plans. And in that moment, Jairus trusted the Lord. He was obedient to God and his faith made her well. Do you see that, church? God has a plan. He wants us to keep our faith in him and he wants us to be a place that connects visitors, new people, unfamiliar faces to the word of God. If we want to be serious about changing our world for Christ, then we've got to be serious about taking these growth steps of maturity through our Christian life and our witness. Are you engaging in your church Or are you merely just sitting here being entertained? I know I can speak for every pastor that that is in this place. We are not in the entertainment business. We're in the business of introducing people to the solution to everything. Amen? Listen, on your way out, I want to challenge you. We've got these cards. They say, you're invited. Be our guest. I love my church. Invite people to church. Take a moment and say to someone, look, I know you're going through a rough time right now. Come out and join us at church. We got a group of people that will love on you. We make it harder than it is, people. Pay for someone's food at a restaurant. Put one of these in there. Just let them know that they're loved. When you see someone here at the church, stop and talk to them. Welcome them. Ask them where they came from. Ask them how they heard about the church. Talk to them about sports for crying out loud. Get connected. And I want to ask you this question. How are you connected to the church? Are you serving in a ministry? Are you in a Bible study? Are you in a small group? Here's what I want you to do immediately following the service. I want every single one of you to do this. Out there today, we have folks who are wearing these buttons. You can see that on the camera, right? We have folks that are wearing these buttons. And what it says is, ask me how I'm connected. It's kind of like a little Where's Waldo at the end of church. Here's what we're going to do. I want every single one of you to go find somebody who has a button on and I want you to ask them, how, am I conne- how are you connected to the church? How can I get connected to the church? Will you accept that challenge this morning? Will you accept that challenge this morning? I need to see a whole lot more heads saying yes. Accept that challenge and may God bless you as we walk through these, these little phases together and look towards winning people to Christ. Amen? God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the charge that you've given to us to call our world to Christ. It's a big mission, but you're a big God. And so Lord, as we commit to this getting connected, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be connected. That you would provide opportunities for us to serve in our faith or to grow into our faith as we continue to move into the ministers that you want us to be. 
So God, I pray that even as we come to this, your table in a moment, that you would reveal to us how you want us to love others. Reveal to us how you want us to care. And may it be said of us that we're a church that makes way for the wounded. May it be said of us that we're a church that remains faithful even when it doesn't go our way because we recognize your way is the only way. Help us to reach out and to touch the hem of your cloak and to connect to you this morning. And all of God's people said,